Remote work has long moved beyond simply being a trend or a lifestyle. It's a natural evolution in the way we work and collaborate, a complete and vital redesign with profound positive impact for businesses, teams, and society as a whole. With it comes a work culture revolution that requires putting freedom, trust, and conscious behavior at the core of every business who wants to thrive. I'm Sarah Regalhuth, your host, and I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and expert in growing happy, high-performing remote teams. Since 2014, I've been running all my businesses remotely, and that has deeply changed who I am as a leader. I've gone from micromanaging an unhappy team, suffering high turnover and working long hours, to moving to the US, traveling roughly six months a year, and loving the shit out of my team and being constantly amazed as to what we're achieving. Join me as I dive into conversations about remote work magic, conscious culture, and the future of work with some of the most inspiring founders and leaders in the remote work space. Insights, tips, success, and failure, innovation, we share it all. Let's dive in. Welcome everyone to this episode of Conscious Culture. As it stands right now, I think I'm planning for this to be our second episode. It's been a pretty interesting journey bringing the podcast together. And um, I actually recorded a couple of episodes last year and then got super busy with other things. And right now we're in the middle of this coronavirus deal. And I'm like, you know what? We got to get this podcast going because people really need help right now. So Ash, my guest, Ash Bent from Sketch and Etch, Etch and Sketch, Etch and Sketch. Sketch and etch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Ash Bent here, my my guest today, who's a client of ours. His company is Sketch and Etch. Um, super excited to have you on the show. We had planned to get together and have a discussion about what it's like for where Ash is at right now, which is he's just hired his first remote team member. Um, but I think we can throw into the mix the fact that um, we're all dealing with going remote right now. So super interested to have you on the show and hear your perspectives on what it's been like with your first remote team member and just, yeah, dive into a bit of a conversation about where we're at globally. So thank you for coming on the show. Tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Um, Yeah, so we make uh, wedding and event signage and stationery and neon signs as well. So we manufacture all of that in Australia where we're, where we're based and ship it um, all around the world. Part of our neon signs we get made come out of China, probably about 70% of our uh, neon signs come out of China. So obviously that's been impacted a bit recently. And yeah, so we we started out, you know, with myself and my business partner Tash um, with just a single laser cutter four and a half years ago. And we kind of saw an opportunity in the trend in the, I suppose, personalised and custom um, signage and stationery in the wedding space and getting a bit creative and doing things that are a little bit different. And yeah, we've kind of grown off the back of weddings and then really start to work with a lot of big corporates and events as we kind of build up our reputation. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining me today. Um, we met in Cambodia on the Project Gen Z trip, which if anyone follows me on social media or listens to my other podcasts or anything, you may have heard a little bit about, but we go every year a group of entrepreneurs and we teach entrepreneurship to the kids who have gone through Sunrise Children's Village, which is essentially, I think we're not allowed to use the term orphanage, but essentially kids that have been, you know, rescued from all sorts of horrible situations. So the 16 to 25 year olds, we go over and we work with them 
teaching them skills on entrepreneurship. And that's where we met, which was amazing. And Ash is also a fellow member of Entrepreneurs Organization. And we just hit it off and chatted a lot, a lot about business, a lot about the future of business, a lot about culture. I think we share a lot of views around sort of the whole conscious culture piece and leading with heart and intuition. And uh, as a amazing result, we ended up working together. So you are how many weeks into your first remote team member? I was just thinking that. A month-ish? Yeah, it's about a month. Yeah. Yep. And Lara is your financial controller? Yes, spot on. Yep. So we've got Lara. She's based in South Africa in Cape Town and she's yeah, our financial control, which for our business is a, um, a completely new role. We've never had anyone in that role before. And what's been like, how's, how have you felt about the process so far since she started and how's your mind already shifting or is it or isn't it? Yeah, let us in. Yeah, so I suppose the biggest thing that I found really um, difficult after Lara had started with this was you. I've, I've never had a remote worker before, so it's always been you've got someone in the same office to you or even if they're just in the same building, they're not never too far away, um, that you can go to and be like, hey, look, this is how you do X task or hey, can you work on Y now and, you know, come into my office if you need to ask any questions or whatever it may be. So kind of... Um, moving away from that and not having that person close, I felt like um, when Lara started up, I felt like I wasn't there supporting her enough or um, available when she might need me. So that was really concerning. I didn't, I thought, I didn't, the biggest risk I didn't want to have happen is I think for us, it's really important in those initial days and weeks to really have someone come on board and you embed your culture in there and show them what's important, what our values are as much as we can. And I thought that was going to be really tricky and in those first few days I felt like that I felt like you know I've had this person come on board I'm not even talking to them much like what's going on um but yeah it was just getting my changing my mindset around how it works with remote so I was using zoom um, and jumping on slack and checking in multiple times throughout the day and yeah you realize that hey we actually don't need to speak in the same room we can achieve exactly the same thing and probably get a better outcome because you ask the right questions you understand that there's a little bit more of a barrier to getting in touch with that person you just can't go walk into their office to answer questions so you you kind of consolidate everything into that one meeting that you have or that one conversation you're engaging in on slack at that time and then get everything done and then you, you break and go both do your work so yeah yeah i found that in my early days and um consequently or subsequently I don't know what the right word is but anyway similar to you my first my first hire was my financial controller and it was also a role that I didn't have in the business and decided to give it a try but what I really found was um, that barrier that you mentioned essentially made me be more prepared when I was going to have a meeting and kind of give some um, training or you know direction or whatever Um, and I think it makes our team members more prepared of like all right I'm going to like either reach out or I'm going to set up a time to chat. So I want to like be clear with all the things that I want to ask um, before we go ahead. And it also really made our systems and processes tighter and our training program tighter because exactly like you also said, you can't just sort of lean over the and scream across the room like, hey, where's that thing again? Or, hey, how do I do this? Or go into someone's office depending on your layout. But yeah, it kind of... Um, kind of makes makes all the systems and processes and, and training programs and onboarding programs just become tighter, which ends up being better for your business anyway. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting when you talk about if you, um, you think about 
the email you're about to write. Like, let's say, for example, I'll take this back to say, um, as a customer dealing with uh, a company you want to purchase something from, or I'll talk with us, we have this with our clients as well when they're engaging us. We notice if they engage us through, say, Facebook Messenger, and you start having a conversation with them, you get very unthought out questions coming through that are very short and you know you type something you hit enter you type something you hit enter you type something you hit enter and you're engaging in this back and forth conversation really quick without actually stepping back and going hey what is it we're actually trying to find out so with as humans i think when we have that there we just we just take advantage of it that you can continually engage and engage and engage and in live chat on websites you see the same thing happen as opposed and we've always found this with our um, clients is when we move them to email as much, as quickly as we can get them over there you have people think about what they write they review it before they hit send and then you understand that for you're probably not going to hear back for 24 to 48 hours so i better make sure i get everything down in this one email so don't have that opportunity um, to to engage right now and then i think yeah we found that when i am about to jump on a video call with lara i plan in advance i know and because of the time zones different it's great it even forces you more so to really think about that because it's like okay she's going to start working while we're asleep um so it's really important that she has everything that she needs and i've got everything documented there for her that she can go kind of run her own race without having to speak to me you know multiple times throughout her work day yeah i love it and lara's in south africa is that right i think he's yeah, yeah, yeah 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 cool yeah it's awesome and it's kind of um obviously depending on the role and depending on what, what it is within your business like i quite like the idea that my business is essentially operating 24 7 like stuff's happening all the time because i have people on different time zones and as i say some roles would need to be if it was a phone answering role or something then time zones matter but most of what i do besides um like scheduling interviews and stuff uh but i mean we have clients all over the world now as well so it kind of we we've truly become pretty 24 7 but i always liked that feeling of like things are just like moving along all the time and i can pick it up and then somebody else picks it up and yeah it's kind of cool um yeah. so it is let's see wednesday the 16th of march sorry not wednesday monday it is monday the 16th of march um, here in the u.s yep it's tuesday <laughs> for you in australia um yeah. and i made the decision to drive to austin for the likely impending lockdown or self-imposed lockdown or whatever it's ever going to end up being due to coronavirus but um yeah i'm i'm wondering how it is out there in australia and are you guys are you in your office are you guys going to stay <clears throat> sorry are you guys going to stay working in the office are you going to remote or what be careful of that cough yeah <laughs> i know right <laughs> uh, yeah good question this is so um yeah, so the short answer is yeah, we're it's still business as usual, I suppose, with our team. We we face a bit of a, a challenge where essentially half our team is um, I suppose you'd say office staff. So we've got all the client managers, uh, we've got designers, um, we've got marketing managers, all that. But that's our office team. And then um, you've got the production team where we make stuff. And you physically need to be here to do it. We need someone to run the machines. We need someone to physically assemble things, put together, run the printers, make neons, do all these kind of yeah. things. So we're in this really um, interesting position where half the team could move to remote straight away. That would be fine. 
uh, and half the team can't because we need things made here. So yeah, at the moment, we're, we're all in and it's everyone in here, but we're just gonna keep an eye on things over the coming days and potentially look at moving the office team remote. And then maybe to manage that risk, we have split shifts for the warehouse teams, for, uh, for the production teams, for into two separate teams. Um, mm. Just so elite, if someone gets infected and goes down, they're not taking out the whole team because you've got those two separate, uh, sorry, they're not taking out everyone, they're, you're just taking out that half team, so yeah. yeah. It's interesting times we're in fast moving waters is how I feel um, in terms yeah. of like our grow my team business operations. It's literally nothing has changed because we're a hundred percent remote team and always have been. But what has changed is um, we're just really busy because yeah. uh, we're just trying to give our time and energy to helping all of these companies that are facing kind of being forced into remote in an emergency situation. I'm just running a bunch of webinars and, um, putting together guides to help people and all of that. So, you know, we're ramping up, if anything, but um, yeah, it's good. Do you feel a little more prepared for it, having had at least just one remote team member? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, if this happened two months ago, I would have been, um, yeah, facing it with a very different attitude and been a lot more fearful and had a lot more stress around it. But yeah, after having Lara work remote, who's working in a role that we haven't had before, um, we're doing, yeah doing tasks and she's been absolutely killing it like she's amazing uh yeah i've got total confidence that we can move the other guys to remote easily we've already got all the system set up we've got every, like we know how it works so yeah it'd be it'd be a hell of a lot easier than the first time around with lara so yeah it's it's set us up in a much better position so when we if that does come and we do go remote um yeah we're ready for it Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. It's like one less thing that you have to massively stress about, even though I understand it is still a change and it is still a stress and all of that stuff you were describing with the people that do have to come into the office or into the workshop still. Um, you know, it's not, it's still not simple, but it's nice to know that you're like a little feeling a little more confident with it. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like, it's, I think it's fascinating how one of the biggest fears people have is like how to create culture and community and connection, but it's, it's not as hard as you think. And I think we underestimate the fact that, especially in this, our generation and this day and age with Instagram and Facebook and all of our online social media, like we're actually very used to creating connection online. Like <laughs> it's so much yeah. more normal for us than we, than we realize. Yeah, that's so true. And it's, yeah, it's something that we don't, yeah. Is what I, and I think it's just because it's going into a workplace, it, it's as if people discount everything else. Like it's like we keep it separate. We go, oh, in our personal lives, we engage on social media so much. We see so many people that we feel a connection with through a screen. Um, we're used to engaging people digitally that way. But then it's like, oh, no, we have to, in our businesses, no, that has to be done this traditional way and let's do it pre-1990 before we had the internet. Like it's, it's yeah, it's really interesting that we think it's going to be so difficult. Well, that's what I, I, and I found. There's going to be this really huge change. It's like, it's not, I'm already used to doing this. This is how I talk to most of my mates. Like, it's yeah. I remember when we were going through the hiring process and you'd found Lara and I knew you loved her. And then you kind of had this little pause moment where you were just like, Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, there was. Yeah, it was a pause for quite a while. I think I ghosted a couple of your emails for a few days. It's all right, process. I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, so that was a really interesting thing that happened. So I was really excited and I had total faith that um, grow my team and you guys would help us find someone awesome. And it was funny, the first person we interviewed was Lara and it was for the interview process. I wanted to do it exactly how I do it um, in mm -hmm. Um, and I have these set questions, about 12 questions, and they're pretty left of field, but the whole thing is just trying to find out if I think the person's going to be a great cultural fit. Before the second um, stage of interviews, we normally dump into looking um, more around your skill set and whether or not you've got the skills that we require and everything like that. Because I think, first of all, it's cultural fit is so important. Um, yep. Because, you know, yeah, that person has you know, is in line with your values and you think it's going to fit your team. Um, the skills, I think, are secondary because even if they've got good baseline skills and they're not quite at the level you need, my feeling is if you've got someone with the right attitude and the right personality, you can always upskill them. So I think that getting someone in who's right culturally and when we've done the opposite, when we've gone and got someone who's got amazing skills but doesn't fit culture, it's never worked out in my experience. Yeah. So but other people might have had different experiences, but that's been mine. So, yeah, we went through this first interview and the first interview was with Lara and I was like, wow, and I remember doing it. It was at home and whatever time it was, it might have been like midnight Australian time or whatever. We were getting off my partner, Maddie, was there and she was like, how did the interview go? And I was like, yeah, she's amazing. Like, Lara was unreal. I feel like, you know, I felt like she was in the room with me. I felt like she fits our culture perfectly. Um, it's great. And then we went through the interview process, interviewed a bunch of other people, came back um, and then interviewed Lara again um, with a couple others who made it through to the second round. And it was funny and I just sat on it for quite a few days and I couldn't make a, a decision and it was really weird. I didn't know what it was and what was holding me back because when I looked at it, uh, she was, yeah, fantastic and fit culturally. But then it was, yeah, it was me looking at it and reflecting upon myself going like, hang on, this is a new role. This is someone taking off um, a lot of things that I do. And it was kind of like a bit of this ego getting in the way where I was going like, hang on, is this person going to be better than me? Is <laughs> that take away from what I've done in the business the last four years? Is this, is she going to come in and see that I've got absolutely no idea what I'm doing? Because she'll look at it and go like, hey, why are you doing it this way, Ashley? Because she's got a lot of experience in this area. I don't know exactly what it was. And it was, um, yeah, a combination of things. So, yeah, there was a bit of resistance there. And then going, oh, it's new. This is going to be really challenging. Um, is it the right time of the business? We've got so many other things going on. All those excuses just pop up in your head because when you're looking for them, you can find them. So, yeah, but when we actually, it was funny, when we actually made the decision, I remember having a conversation with you. Um, and yeah, I, working through that and pushing through that and making the decision to hire Lara, it was like instant relief. I knew I'd done the right thing and it's been amazing since then. So yeah, that, that kind of, it was a very interesting process to go through first time around. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Like, I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and I think it's something we face as leaders quite often, especially as we really do start to push into, I mean, as leaders, we're always pushing, I suppose, into new realms. Yeah. Like when you own a business, like every day you're probably one step ahead than you were the day before. So you're, yep. it's not like when you have a job and you get really good at it and then you just do the same thing over and over. Sometimes as leaders, it's like, and entrepreneurs where we're creating companies and they're getting bigger and bigger or they're getting different or whatever's happening. And you know, we're constantly being challenged to step up and step into that next stage. And we do have that resistance within ourselves. And that resistance, I find, 
can be very strong around the delegation piece and the letting go. And I think there can be some of the things you shared, which I really appreciate once again, you've been so vulnerable about like, what if someone's better than me? And, you know, all of the things that I've been trying to do are going to be exposed and, you know, there's stuff like that. There's also, you know, our egos of thinking no one can do this. No one will be able to do this. No one will be better than me, which is also just crap. And (laughs) there's just, there's so many things. And then there's also maybe um, I experienced at one point in my journey, like a sense of guilt, like, oh, like, I should do this work because I've always been able to do it. I've always, I've always been doing it. I've always been competent to do it. Who am I to give it off to somebody else? Like, am I being lazy? Like there's so many different layers that come up for us when we're growing and expanding our companies and growing and expanding ourselves as leaders. Um, And I think it's really impressive what you did and what I appeal to everybody to look at within ourselves is like, leaning into the resistance like what is it dig into it and find a way because the only way for us to grow and expand and scale um, and and grow and expand ourselves as human beings and leaders is to lean into that resistance to find out what it is and to move through it so I think it's amazing that you did and it seems like it's kind of been a worthy pursuit yeah yeah no definitely no thank you yeah 100% has it's been amazing and yeah there was a, a part of that where you the, the guilt was definitely a part of it as well. Really thinking like, why, why do I need someone to do this? Like, why can't I just do this? Like, yeah. You know, and as you, you look at it and go like, come on, it's not that difficult. I can do this. I can fit this into my day. That is what I just work X amount more hours and just get it done. Like, it's okay. And, but it's not, that's that limiting mindset. And as you, you like you said, as we're growing and we're delegating more things out, we need to as leaders and, and entrepreneurs, because we're going to hold the business back. Like it's, get someone else in, this was amazing. I've got someone who's got 15 years experience in this space. I've got like zero, I made it up. Um, and yes, when you look at it, I did an okay job, but nowhere near as great as what Lara's gonna do. So it's like, okay, hand, handball it over, have someone else who's great at it, take it and run with it. And even sometimes, honestly, we can hire people that aren't going to do as good a job as us. And that's okay too. Like sometimes a little drop in quality or whatever in the pursuit of growing and scaling is also a part of the journey. Like that's something that we have to, especially when we're in service businesses and we start to take ourselves off the tools, so to speak. Like when I was a financial advisor, you know, I was a really good financial advisor. I know I was, I never lost a client. I had great relationships and there was a part of me when I decided I wanted to scale the company and really grow it and train, you know, six, 10, 20 financial advisors on my methodology of working with millennials that knew in that process with those people, there might from time to time be a drop in quality and in service standard for our clients. And obviously I didn't want that. I strove toward not having it, but there was a part of me that just had to accept that as well. So there's, there's both sides to it. There's the ultimate goal of hiring people that are better than us um, and will do a better job. And I think ultimately that's what did happen in the financial planning company. By the end, I was like, holy moly, you guys are all so much better than me. But in the beginning, (laughs) like I accepted that there's a training process, there's a learning curve, there's all of that. And that, that was, there was a little bit of ego there that had to be just like, okay, let go and it'll all, it'll all be okay in the end. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, I can associate with all of that when it comes to, yeah, 
we've even, and I suppose we have it even with all staff, it doesn't even necessarily mean whether they're remote. It's going like this person might not be up to scratch when they start, which is how can you expect anyone to be in most roles? And when yeah. you come into this, learning your systems and processes, how you do things. But it's amazing, like you just, people, what I've found with every person I've had the pleasure of working with and as part of our team through the years is that everyone wants to do a great job. Like I've never hired anyone who wants to do a bad job. No one yeah. strives to be, you know, a C grade player. Everyone wants to be an A player. Everyone wants to do a really, really good job. And so if you give them, if you bring them in, they're a cultural fit and you give them the right tools and you give them the space and, and you know, be there to help them through that and coach and have honest, open conversations and you do these things, people thrive. Like it's just amazing. It always blows me away what people are able to achieve and what they come up with. And I always say, like, in our business, we're nothing like any business is nothing more than a bunch of systems and processes and people. And if you can't, the people part is obviously so, so important. And I think we discount what people are like. People don't want to come and just get paid to do nothing. Like I've never experienced that. And, you know, it might be a little bit different where they might try and do that in a large corporate or try and get away. But even then, like no one I've really ever come across is, out of that they're not going into work saying oh, i'm so happy that i got away doing nothing today i got paid for it like it just that's don't, not don't been my that. experience either yeah i think everybody and i mean i've worked mostly with millennials and i think that's very true of millennials they're looking to be engaged with the purpose and the vision of the organization they're looking to be aligned and they're looking to be trusted and empowered to step into their potential, um, maybe to be coached and guided, but ultimately also to be trusted and empowered. Like, and when I've found, you know, when I've been able to do that, um, my team are incredibly loyal. I've had many team members for six, seven, eight years, and they're just crushing, you know, they're doing so, so well. Um, so I totally agree with you and share, share your opinion on that. I just, I also was thinking about, um, what we were talking about around like ourselves as leaders as well. And I think our job as well is to find out and be comfortable with what, where our area of genius is as the leader, as the founder, as the entrepreneur. And I remember us having this discussion in Cambodia where we were sitting in that really cool cafe in Siem Reap, the vegan cafe. And um, we would, yeah. <laughs> yeah <I'm fine>. <laughs> and uh, you know, we had a really long discussion about business and then we talked about the fact that like we were working in that moment, we were in Cambodia and we were working by having this conversation, by sharing tools and techniques and experiences and brainstorming and strategy like that is work. And I think that as entrepreneurs, sometimes we forget that all of those times reading books and sitting and brainstorming and talking with other entrepreneurs, like that is actually probably what we should be doing most of the time. Thinking about strategy, thinking about vision, and then being able to come back and impart that into our companies. Yeah, totally. 100%. That was really profound. That you, yeah, it's me bring that up because I, I think of that regularly. And it's something that I said to other business owners is, like, yeah, that point, was that point that the penny dropped. We're sitting there in Cambodia, drink my almond latte, whatever amazing vegan stuff we have in front of us. And yeah, you, you, made it, you said to me, like, this is, you've got to understand, Ash, that this is 
working. And the, a quick little backstory to that was this is the first time I'd been out of my business for it was for pretty much two weeks. Mm, that's um, right. That's why the conversation came up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I'd been I'd done short trips. I'd been you know I might have gone away to New Zealand. I might have shot over to. Um, I've got a brother who plays um, esports, like plays StarCraft and that, and he's got um, Asperger's, so he had this opportunity to play on the world stage and um, travel to Sweden, and so I went with him. But, you know, that whole time I was accessible and the business was a lot smaller then, and it was only for um, you know, four or five days, whatever it was. So I've never gone away for a period in time in which I thought I wouldn't be accessible, and in Cambodia I, I had no idea how accessible we were going to be, and I thought I'd literally be away for two weeks in the jungle. Um, so that's how I kind of tried to set things up and I had a lot of anxieties and a lot of stresses around leaving the, the business and being my team there's like there's 15, 16 of us um, plus two dogs. So, you know, leaving the, the team and going like, hey, um, you know, I'm leaving them, I'm leaving, walking away, how are they going to go? And then also um, what about the things I have to do and what I have to get done? business how am I going to get this done because I thought I wouldn't have an internet connection and all these things so it was a really great process to go through because after the first week I think I did about four hours work and I reckon I did about 80% of what I needed to get done for that week in four hours and I went like what do I do with all the time that I have <laughs> obviously there's other things you deal with when they're in the business of course but I felt like I'd gotten everything done that was important that I needed to and in the following week I worked for like three hours you and I were sitting in that cafe about a week into it, and I shared that with you. And you said, This is you've got to understand, Ash, that what we're doing now, us having this conversation about you know our view on the world, about business, about opportunities, about you know strategy, all these things that we're discussing, um, that's work, and yeah, and that's where we're able to. We have this view on the world and we're able to impart that and, and change a part of the world with our businesses and that's what we've got to focus on. I found the more I focus on doing that and spending time around that, the better, the better the business operates. And kind of the feedback I got from my business partner, Tash, when I was in Cambodia, I'd be checking in every now and then on Slack, like, you know, how's the day going? And, you know, checking obviously, check your numbers and everything and making sure the business is on track. And the feedback I got from her was like, Ash, it's better without you here. do your thing do what you need to do and it's all right like you don't need to be here we've got this and then yeah that gave me a lot of confidence because then um, a couple of months later in December I went away with my partner Maddie to Europe for a few weeks and that was something that um, my partner really it was really important to Maddie to do and it was something that wanted to do probably she brought up we've been together nearly six years so about five and a half years she's been bringing up heading over to Europe and (laughs) You know, in the early days in the business, money was really tight, you're working crazy hours, you're doing all these things. And we built up to the point where finally it's like, okay, we can step away and financially it made sense. So we, um, yeah, we, we booked in the holiday and everything and it felt so great going away after that experience in Cambodia being out for two weeks that I'm like, it's fine. Like, I've got this. I can go away and get out of this. I can spend this really important time with Maddie. And we had this, like, unbelievable holiday. It was perfect. It was great. And I didn't have to stress about the business and at the same time, when you get out of the business, this is where Maddie and I have great conversations about the future of the business and where so these opportunities and that's where all of the creative stuff happens. It's not, you can't sit down at your desk and go, okay, I'm going to be creative now. Like it just doesn't yeah. work. It's 9 a.m. Yeah. on Monday. It's my creative time. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It doesn't always work that way. <laughs> no, it does not. So you don't know when it's going to pop up and there were plenty of times where, yeah, I'd be sitting at a random 
cafe in Vienna with Maggie and then we just get on some random tangent conversation about business and there goes two hours and I was like, wow, I didn't expect that to pop up here, but, you know, it did. So, oh, yeah. Most, most of my big ideas, pivots, inspirational moments have come either like driving and road tripping or traveling, like when I might be sitting on a plane or just when I've got that space or brainstorming with someone that I've met, that's probably come into my vortex from like somewhere different and all of a sudden a conversation opens up that is outside of all the people that I'm normally hanging out with and you get a different perspective or a different idea. So I can completely relate and I know myself, I am a million times better leader um, now that I'm running a remote company and I'm not in an office with people, I, I was too, I mean, it's hard to say I might be in this place now anyway, because I, that was my early days. I, I think I spent my first four years as an entrepreneur, maybe five in an office. And then the last sort of five, six has been fully remote, but I just feel like I'm such a better leader because I'm not like micromanaging. I'm not like looking at things and getting all obsessed and, you know, like getting into the detail. Like there's just stuff yeah. that, really I don't need to and like they'll figure it out and it'll be fine and I don't even know what it is now because I'm not looking at it you know and it's it's so much better because my companies are growing my team is thriving and they're all happy and so yeah it's just it's an interest it's been an interesting journey for me but I'm personally a much better leader now that I've stepped more into my areas of genius taken my hands off the reins and give myself more time and space and freedom to work within my own kind of rhythms and cycles and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And something just popped up then. So I was thinking like us having the space as leaders to focus on our area of genius and do things that we need to do is like, and you know, time with the coronavirus, there was, you know, we're both in EO, um, the mentioned entrepreneur organization, uh, and they called out my, um, local chapter over here in Melbourne in Australia called like a bit of an emergency breakfast for yesterday morning. So it ran from um, 7am to 9am and it was all around the coronavirus, like, you know, how we're going to survive and grow and thrive um, through this for, you know, for our businesses, for our family, for ourselves, um, for our teams. So yeah, we, I was able, obviously, like, you know, I know the business was fine. I didn't have to be here in the morning. I, I the team set up, they do their thing. I was able to be up there at 7am and it was a, like there's 25 of us or so that was able to get to this breakfast and it was absolutely profound what we all were able to discuss in there, cut through a bit of the BS that you see in the mass media, get to the core of what's going on and then um, talk about our concerns as business um, owners, you know, and we all shared very similar issues about like where is it the same with staff, people really talking a lot about going remote and how that looks and being underprepared for that. Um, a lot of us worrying about what's going to happen with clients and cash flow revenue and all these things. Like we all had similar problems, even though we're from vastly different businesses and completely mm-hmm. different industries. Um, so I was able to spend that time there and I heard from experiences from other business owners who'd been through the GFC, who had been through tough times before that stuff that we hadn't seen or I hadn't seen, I haven't seen as an entrepreneur. Um, and yeah, I got all these amazing takeaways and then I was able to, you know, jump in the car, drive an hour or so back to work, get on the phone to my business partner, Tash, and say like, hey, I'm going to be in, I'll be back, you know, at X time, get the whole team together for a meeting. Um, we've just got to go over a few things. So was able to able to come in and obviously the team had been away over the weekend, seen a lot of stuff happening in the media. Things have turned a lot in Australia over the weekends. So we went from, you know, it's funny in the period of a week it's gone from like it's not even spoke about we had our team 
Um, we do a weekly team meeting called the Wolfpack meeting. Um, and we did that on Thursday. And one of the questions I had for everyone was like, how do you feel about the coronavirus stuff? And everyone was very blase, you know, oh yeah, it is what it is, nothing really. No one was really that concerned, which was kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought it would have affected people a lot more, but it hadn't really had much of an impact. And then it comes to Monday morning and over the weekend, like, you know, the, um, in, in Australia, they brought in, similar to America, like, you know, anyone coming into the country has to self-isolate for two weeks. Um, they just declared um, my state that I'm in Victoria as a state of emergency. Like it looks like public schools are about to get shut down. All these kind of things have happened in a very short period of time. So obviously the angst and the stress and the fear of the unknown. Mm, that collective fear. Oh, I just yeah, got yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> really escalated a lot over the weekend. So yesterday morning, um, we had this. I came back, I was back in the in the business about 11 a.m. and we just got the whole team together. There's 16 of us there. Um, and yeah, we had this meeting and I shared um, in a really transparent, honest way about the challenges I see as facing, where things are at, um, to the best of my knowledge. I shared what I expect from my team and what they can expect from me as a business um, owner and as a leader. And the, it was amazing. Like it was unreal that I pretty much said, like if we all come, one thing that came out of it that was really profound is this quote that I saw flying around. It was that this is our generation's world war. Like we haven't been through any really big tough times and challenges. And I think of my grandma always telling me about like, you know, the, being born in the recession and then having World War II and then, you know, everyone just jumped on board and did what they needed to do. So she would, you know, make uniforms for the soldiers and, you know, whatever it may be. Everyone just like came together because you had this common enemy. And so I was talking about like with the coronavirus, this is like our um, generation's World War. We've got to come together as a team and we've got a much, much better chance of succeeding and getting through this than if we, you know, we're all stressed, we're all acting selfishly, we're all disconnected. We're not going to get through this if we're not on the same page. And so we had this meeting and the vibe and the place and everything after that was absolutely electric. Like the whole team just was like electrified. And the afternoon we had this amazing day, we got all these great things done and everyone's on board. So using that as an example of as a business leader that's what i needed to do i need to go to melbourne i need to spend that couple of hours in a room with 25 other business owners and nut this stuff out that's what i needed to do i didn't need to be in here on the monday morning running through whatever it was my task for the day or running through reports you know whatever it may be if i yep. didn't need to be doing that i needed to be being a great leader and surrounding myself with those people and having those conversations and then you know it was the same when i was speaking to lara um, our remote worker, I was saying to Lara, like, this is where we're at. These are the challenges I think we face. And she brainstormed ideas with me and it was like, it was fantastic. It was brilliant. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was a, it's funny you mentioned that because us working out, it was zone of genius as leaders. That's just one example that pops in my head that it's a pretty unique thing we're able to do. Like that's, that's not something you, you're really trained. It's not like I went to university and studied how to, <laughs> catch up with other business owners yeah. and into my team. Like that's not something, that's not a technical task. It's not something, but it's something that we, you know, we have a, most great entrepreneurs, I'd say all great entrepreneurs I come across have that in them. And it's so important that we're able to work on that more and more and more and do that more and more in our businesses because that's what's going to grow them and get them through and face the challenges. And the coronavirus is obviously an extreme example of a challenge, but we have challenges every single day in our business. It doesn't matter what it is it's not discounting it just because it's not this pandemic it doesn't mean that we don't have challenges that we have to approach it the same way 
Totally. And I think exactly what you said, like our, as entrepreneurs, we do tend to be visionary kind of, and strategists and leaders, and we are decisive people. We're passionate and we have businesses because at one point along the line, we became so passionate about an idea or a problem problem that we wanted to solve that we went for it. And that's really what we all need to be digging deep into right now and remembering about ourselves that despite the challenges, despite everything's going on, we created what we created to this point. We have the ability to continue to create. And that may mean stopping. Well, it will mean stopping. I mean, I've really, really called to action all leaders right now, if you haven't already, to stop to take a bigger picture perspective of where you're at and then to come back into maybe the details of where you're at as well, but create a strategy and a vision for how we're going to move through this. And that would likely involve talking with other business owners like you did, um, you know, getting on the phone or going to an event or probably not going to an event now, but <laughs> jumping on an online event or something like that. But, but yeah, just that's, I mean, that's a big thing that I'm doing right now is, is having calls and chatting with other business owners and just going through like, all right, what's the reality of your financial situation and what is the, what is the decision you want to make? about how you're going to get through this. Like, is there a big opportunity that you need to go after? Do you need to pivot? Do you want to downsize and just survive? Or do you want to shut down? Like all of these and probably, you know, a hundred other possible solutions are things worth looking at and worth discussing and, you know, just just taking that time and, and then being able to step up and impart that in your team. Like I loved hearing your story and how you did that with your team and I can totally imagine them all rallying behind you. I think you're one of the best leaders I've ever met. You're super conscious. I can see the way that you lead your company with heart. And I love working with you because of that, because I know that all of the Grow My Teamers that join your team are going to be in really excellent hands and going to be working in a company in a culture where they're valued, where they're empowered and where they're engaged. So I just like want to thank you so much for being being who you are. But you've absolutely hit the nail on the head about what we should all be doing as leaders right now and what we need to do and what we can and have the ability to do. And I know that there are people that are scared and I get it. And some, some moments I tap into that collective fear as well, but I just want to remind anyone who is listening, who is an entrepreneur that you're fucking magic. Like you created everything you did right now and you will continue to create. So it's really important time to remember that. But yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for joining the show, Ash. I think this is going to be my plan right now is that I'm going to record just a solo episode as a bit of an intro and then get started with, with this episode, because I think it's really important for us to be really timely right now and just jump on this and give as much help as we can to everyone who's entering the remote world for the first time. So thank you so much for being my first guest and for being a client and a friend and someone I love dearly. Thank you so much for being in my life. <laughs> uh, thanks so much there. I really appreciate that, mate. And no, thank you for having me on. It's been amazing having a chat. And yeah, it is. This is a really interesting time for us as um, business owners. And like you said, we're, we are fucking magic. Like we created everything around us from scratch. Like no one else did that. And I'm sure we'll, whatever the outcome is of us going through this, we'll definitely be stronger for going through it. And yeah, it's just another challenge. And as something that, um, one of my business mentors said in an email two nights ago, he goes, this is going to be a great story for the grandkids. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, Ash. No worries. Thanks, Sarah.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Conscious Culture, The Evolution of Work. Follow us as we further explore real stories of remote companies and the thriving cultures they are creating. To stay updated with all our episodes, subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcasting app. In the show notes of each episode, you'll find some of our favorite remote work and culture resources. However, if you want to have a chat about remote work, how it's done and how it can benefit your company, feel free to reach out to me directly anytime. My email address is sarah at growmyteam.com.au.